you you're going to start to have some of your peers come to you and say hey how are you guys doing that you know i saw that it looks really good yeah what are you using how are you guys doing that Hello and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today we're talking to Eric Edens, an applications engineer at Dactronics. He's going to tell us about how live streaming has evolved, the many levels and options for streaming, and more of his experiences working with streaming customers. And we're here today with Eric. Eric, how you doing? Good, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Matt's over here. I think he's doing pretty good. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good today. All right. We're, we're here with Eric to talk about um, some live streaming and control solutions that Dactronics offers. But first, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about your position at Dactronics and what you do here? Sure. I'm the applications engineer for the Mid-Atlantic region and, and on the, mostly on the live event side. Um, so I focus mostly on the control systems that are utilized to drive our LED displays. But we also uh, get to play in this live streaming space and work with our customers on uh, solutions for, for live streaming as well. And were you always in this current role or, or did you start at Dactronics in a different role and work your way into this one? Uh, I started out as a trainer. Um, I've been with Dactronics for about five years now. I was in that training role and got to you know travel the world and, and train our customers on utilizing our control systems and for about two years prior to moving into this position. Nice. I was going to say, because it's always good to hear kind of how you get into these positions. Did you always just kind of have, I mean, thinking back before even the training one, did you always have an interest in, in control systems, technology and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I actually, I went to uh, college for broadcasting, went to Northern Kentucky University um, and uh, straight out of college, I had, I had one professor there that uh, was really big into sports broadcasting. Uh, he ran a, a class on campus where we actually, you know, broadcast the sporting events on campus, uh, basketball, soccer, uh, volleyball. And straight out of college, I was able to get an internship with Cincinnati Reds. Um, wow. So I, I dove straight into the, the sports side of things. Um, and I, I actually quit a full-time job to go take this internship with the Reds because it was a, a lot of hours over the summer. To, wow. Uh, to go into this, but it, uh, yeah, positioned me really well. Um, you know, coming out of college, having that internship, um, actually went out, worked at, um, old dominion university, running their football and basketball shows with Dactronics displays, mm-hmm. um, for, for three years prior to coming to work for Dactronics. Oh, you talk, you talk about like resume type stuff and for what you're doing now with all these past experiences, that's like a perfect line of all these things, just one after another. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I got pretty lucky. A couple of my college professors really uh, helped set me up coming out of college to, to get straight into the industry. And did that uh, lead into streaming options at all? I mean, that's what we're kind of here to talk about today. But was that in, something you were even doing at Old Dominion before you came to Dactronics? So I didn't have to um, directly handle the, the streaming production at Old Dominion. Uh, I focused more on the in venue, the video board shows, mm-hmm. um, but we shared the cameras. So it was the same set of four or five cameras um, that went to our production as well as the streaming production. So we were we were involved, but there was a whole separate crew that ran that stream. Awesome. And I'm thinking we've, we've talked about streaming with some different customers, I think here in the podcast and mm-hmm. previous episodes. And something we always kind of say is that there were some things that were trending or getting more popular before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic escalated them right so 
I think streaming has always been one of those. Have you kind of seen how that's changed? Because when people weren't able to go to sporting events, it kind of picked up in its, uh, I'll say popularity, or but more its importance, I guess. Oh, absolutely. I think um, you're seeing, even at sites that were, you know, universities that were already streaming uh, a lot of their sports, you know, some of the the less popular sports, if you will, um, had to start streaming their events because, you know, you still have parents of these student athletes that want to see their, their uh, students, you know, participate. So uh, you started seeing streaming of things like tennis and, and aquatics and field hockey and things that maybe, you know, weren't streamed before, or, you know, you had a lot of universities that only have the capacity to put on one stream at a time or two streams at a time based on equipment and staffing and things. So all of a sudden, there was a demand to stream every event all the time, you know. So very quickly, people had to sort of gear up and figure out well, what equipment can we use to, you know, do this stream at field hockey while we stream this event over here, you know, for this other sport. So it was a, a pretty quick scramble by everybody, I think, to sort of navigate that and figure it out and then kind of prep for that that athletic season. And obviously, they're streaming at different levels. And you said there's some are doing one event at a time, some are doing two. Um, how how are people probably going about doing these streaming options? Is there uh, multiple different ways to do it? Or is there a lot of different pieces that they can do to put into their live stream? Yeah, I think that's one thing when when somebody says streaming, that it, it means a lot of different things and a lot of different scenarios. Um, you know, you could have a single camera just panning back and forth on a soccer game mm-hmm. and send that out to the internet. And that's a stream, you know, okay. or you could have five, six, seven, eight cameras. You could have replay and graphics and, and commentators and, you know, the whole nine yards more of a full fledged production. And well, that's streaming as well. So, and really anything in between there. So that that's where we've really seen um, a lot of the universities this year with having to try and stream a lot of these different events at the same time, it was trying to figure out what equipment can I send where, how much equipment do I have to pull up these productions? Okay, we'll send two cameras to this field for this event, and we'll have three here for this event, and kind of divvying up what they had on hand. And that's fine. This made me think of this last fall, because you're talking about streaming can be anything from from the bare minimum. And so this last fall, there was someone who had asked me for my uh, for my tripod that I use for taking pictures with my phone. And it's because they were going to their kid's game and they were, they were responsible for the school's Facebook page to go Facebook live. Right. And so they had it near an outlet so the phone could be plugged in, but that was, that was their version of streaming. I mean, it's still streaming, right? There was no graphic overlays, right. but it was just a straight up feed on their Facebook page. But going from that all the way up to these other levels is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you and said that's, that's the per- that's the basic level. And I'm thinking yeah. of like my first experience with streaming wasn't watching. Um, it was at uh, a minor league hockey game where I saw they were doing that basic streaming where there was one guy with a handheld camera and he was moving it back and forth across the ice and they were streaming that. So games and so people in the other city, the fans of the other cities that couldn't travel could see the game. And oh, that was right. probably six, seven years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like hearing the basic level of, of how you can do it at the basics and then knowing that there's many ways that you can improve upon that as, as you get to a bigger production. You know, and that's one thing, you know, that you just mentioned with, you know, fans of the, the opposing team wanting to watch it. That's another thing that has been big this year is that it's almost become an expectation uh, at the, you know, in, at the universities that sites are streaming every event because 
the opposing team has fans and families and so mm-hmm. on. They want to see these events. It's not just streaming to, you know, your own alumni or, you know, your own, uh, you know, your own people. Mm-hmm. It's streaming so that everyone can consume that. And I'm thinking, I feel like I brought this up several times before, but it was, they started doing that for my nephew in Minnesota too, where they started streaming his games. And that's an instance too, Eric, where I would, I mean, he's often with Nona. It's a long ways away. I, mm-hmm. I never really went to any of his games, but because they started streaming, I was like, "Oh yeah." I think they did YouTube Live or something. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that." And I never would have watched him play before. So it's even mm-hmm. expanding out to people that were never your audience previously that now are. And looking at how people with Dactronics can can go into streaming some of that DAC equipment, like if they have a scoreboard or if they have a video display, what are some of the options to? Um, capitalize on the Dactronics technology and bring that into their streaming environment. Yeah. So I think, so yeah, similar to, uh, you know, all of the different levels of streaming that we discussed previously, you know, Dactronics has a variety of different levels of products that can kind of fit into, you know, anyone's budget or anyone's uh, workflow that they're looking to fit. Um, So, you know, there is a device that we offer called the big stream. Um, And, when we started this, it was really geared towards, you know, the high school market. Uh, and it kind of was spurred out of the, you know, out of the pandemic of, you know, high schools had these events. They weren't allowed to have anyone at the games. They wanted to let their fans watch somehow, but they don't have the budget, you know, that a, a big university has. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they had sponsorship obligations that they wanted to try to fulfill still, even though they didn't have fans of the stand. So mm-hmm. the big stream is a device um, that, can integrate directly in with the you know show control system that they would already be using in venue to run their video displays. Um, and even if they don't have a video display, uh, we can we, you know we can supply a show control with that. And you know it works just like any of our video boards would work. You know they can get a score bug up on the screen. They can have some areas for some you know sponsorship and advertising and those types of things. But they can really sort of take that production that they would typically send to their video board but send it out to a stream so that their fans at home or, or out of town can watch that event. Um, again, they can still fulfill some of those sponsor obligations, um, but it's it's meant to be sort of a, a pretty simple setup that you know at least gets you out there streaming, gets you started streaming, has those key elements that you need with your you know live video and your score bug and some sponsorship on there, um, but it comes in at a pretty solid price point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, we step up from there and we look at the live book system where there's three different models again, to try and help hit anyone's price point. But, you know, the live book can really fit into any production that you, any sports production that you mm-hmm. want it to, um, you know, if you're just looking to do a score bug, you can do that. But if you want to start working in stats, graphics, if you want to start working in lower thirds for different things, or you want to show off, you know, the conference standings or key matchups in tonight's game or, you know, those types of things, it's all there and it's very simple to use. It sounds like Uh, you're talking about like broadcast style stuff like you'd see on TV when you're talking all these score graphics and score bugs that go with the stats and and things that you're mentioning there. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the the live book system is built and is ready to, you know, utilize the the ESPN3 or ESPN Plus graphics package. Um, You know, we've got, Five different sport apps between basketball, football, hockey, soccer, and baseball. Um, but they can really be utilized for a lot of other sports. I know the basketball sport apps a lot of times used for volleyball as well. And the hockey sport apps also used for lacrosse and field hockey. So 
it's pretty versatile. Um, and like I said, plays back the, all of the ESPN graphics content. Uh, and like I said, can integrate directly with, you know, your scoring devices that you've got, whether it's Stacktronic scoring or not. Uh, we have several different scoring devices we can pull in data automatically from to drive that score bug. Um, you know, can integrate with uh, stats softwares that they use at the collegiate levels. Um, and even at, you know, with the NBA, WNBA, we're able to, you know, connect and, and bring in that stats data. And, you know, you can put on from a graphic standpoint, a full fledged ESPN production um, with headshots and starting lineups and stats graphics and the whole nine yards, just like you would sit down and watch on TV. That's awesome. And you're mentioning the college space. And I know you were on the panel for the uh, NACTA webinar. That was, I want to say it was about a month ago, I think, um, the level up your streaming. And you were on there and, we, and there was lots of our uh, customers on there as well. But I remember it was interesting hearing from, I think it was like Tim Jackson with the Big West Conference saying it was important for them, I believe, right, to for everyone to have the same look as well. So sometimes when you get into that college space, maybe just touch on why would a conference get it for all their schools versus just the schools doing it independently? Sure. Um, so, you know, there's a, a couple different scenarios there, actually. One thing, you know, from the, the ESPN standpoint, you know, ESPN does have a certain look that they sort of, they build out that graphics package and they want it to look the way that they've built it out. So, mm-hmm. You know, that needs to look universal across the board. Now, when it comes to a conference standpoint, you know, if they're doing these ESPN productions, again, they want to make sure that all of it looks the same across the board. If you watched, you know, Team A play and then you went and watched Team B play, you know, the productions, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them. You Mm -hmm. don't want to watch one production and watch the other one go, wow, these guys are really good. You know, the conference (laughs) (laughs) for the, for the appearance of their conference and their product that they're putting out there, you know, they want everyone, they want to watch all of the streams and go, wow, these guys are really good. You know, they don't, they don't want there to be a difference in quality between the two. But the other thing we've run into with some conferences is, um, you know, not everybody's streaming to ESPN and Mm -hmm. sometimes they might be for, cert- for certain sports, but not for all of their sports, not for all of their events. And we've had some conferences come to us and say, hey, for those events that we're, we're not streaming to ESPN, we would like to have a custom graphics package made that is branded for our league. You know, we want our league's logo on there. We mm-hmm. want, you know, these items worked into, and these are the types of stats we want to show. And then all of our conference you know, schools can take that graphics package and use it. And again, kind of have a cohesive look for the conference across the board, just to have a really professional polished look to it um, without really having to go through a ton of work to do it. You know, every school doesn't have to make those graphics in. Mm-hmm. They're made one time. Everybody can, you know, distribute them and use them then. But it just, it really, you know, it, it's a good appearance, I think, for the conference if every one of the conference has a very high level production, professional looking production, you, you're going to start to have some of your peers come to you and say, Hey, how are you guys doing that? You know, I saw that it looks really good. Yeah. What are you using? How are you guys doing that? Yeah. And I'm thinking you just mentioned that, you know, the conference would want to be able to make the graphics once for everything. Um, does it ever run into like conference sponsors? Like the conference has a sponsor and then they use the same thing for the, those sponsors across the conference or even across like a minor league? Um, I will say I, I've not personally run into it, but I'm sure that there are instances of it. Um, I think probably more so at the minor leagues um, and professional levels, definitely. Uh, I'm not so sure at the university level, but you know it, that, may, that may exist out there. And we're, and we're talking about, you know, 
uh, I think you kind of mentioned this too, is, is when it's a conference approach, these, these products like Livebook can be used for anywhere, but there's, you know, there's, everyone knows there's an SEC network, right? There's the yeah. ACC. And so sometimes in the power five, they already have these huge production things set up like that. Um, so when you start to look at maybe some non power five schools, D2, D3, NAI, then it gets important to have something like this, right? Because they don't have that infrastructure being built. Like there's some campuses I've been on where they've been, they're building like a, this is the building where the, the ESPN SEC network is going to be, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, geez, that's on campus. <laughs> but when you get down into these other other sports for other schools, it's important for them to have that same look like you're mentioning. But then they don't have, I'm trying to think, like, they don't have enough people all the time or the resources to be able to put that on. So what you're saying is like the graphics are already made. It's already cohesive. So you're trying to make sure the the implementation is as smooth as possible without a lot of work. Yeah, and one other thing that's really nice with the Livebook system, and I think a lot of people really don't think about it, but it's a laptop. It's not a rack-mounted mm -hmm. computer. You can take this back to your office. You can take it home and work on setting up some of that graphics content. So, you know, if it's Tuesday and you've got a game coming up Friday and another game Saturday and another game Sunday, you can take it back to your office and kind of prep your graphics ahead of time. Mm -hmm. It's not something you have to be sitting there in the control room to work on. Um, and I think a lot of people do that within the, the sport apps on the live book, you can build out shows of all of the graphics you're going to use, um, for those events. So if you already sort of know what that key matchup is going to be that you're watching for on Friday, you can already have that graphic made. You don't have to show up early the day of the event to go prep those items. So I think a lot of people utilize that where they can take that laptop, spend a couple hours one day, kind of prep for all of their events that week. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to go. This was what well, we were talking with Nick Case from Charleston Southern yep. a couple of weeks ago. And it was the simple things of, of a laptop, of things being on a laptop and how huge that is right now. Because like you mentioned, you can take it with you anywhere. Or he had to move it around in his control room because they have to be socially distanced and they had to rearrange their control room. And because it's a laptop, they can do that. Or yep. because it's a laptop, he was able to bring it home and not have to be glued to the production room or the control room the whole night and stay there until the wee hours of the night. He could do it at home on his couch. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I know we mentioned in that podcast, but it's yep. funny. It's like, oh, yeah, just the fact that this, whatever practice, being a laptop has all these other just kind of benefits you never probably would have thought of before. So. Yeah, and we've, you know, we see, you know, like I said, it works for a number of different sports as well. So. Mm. Certain universities will have a central control room where they run all of their productions out of that central control room or multiple central control rooms like you were mentioning with you know, this is where we do our ACC network show. Mm -hmm. um, other schools don't have that. You know, other schools have to go venue to venue with their equipment and kind of stream from the venue. So, again, with this being a laptop, if you have a basketball game on Thursday and then you've got baseball on Sunday, you can use the same live book. You don't have to have two of them. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And, and like we said, it's very versatile. And that's kind of what you're you're getting at there. Do you have any examples of customers you've worked with recently who they've they've said something about it, being able to to move around or, or being able to use the live book in a way that they weren't expecting that really helped them out? Yeah, I've lately I'm trying to think here. We We've had a lot of interest here lately, like you said, with COVID and with a lot of the sports seasons uh, kind of starting up. But I can tell you minor league baseball this year, um, I had a couple customers that, you know, got the live book because they they wanted to, you know, MLB or I'm sorry, MILB um, really had a big push to try and, you know, improve their streaming productions because at first no one was really sure 
what if fans were going to be in the stands or how many fans. So there was a big push to really, you know, kind of improve on those streaming productions. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think uh, I worked with the Del Marva Shorebirds and they, they got a live book there and they got it in and he played with it for a couple of days and kind of got started on it. And he was like, this is awesome. I'm going to take it home with me. You know, <laughs> I, there's all of this stuff that I want to do. You know, I, I want to build out lower thirds for every player, you know, and I, I want to do this. You know, and the nice part in that instance is, you know, he's only going to have to do that once for the season, you know, build out those Mm -hmm. lower thirds. Now in the minor leagues, your roster changes more frequently than in the major leagues. But for the most part, your roster still stays, uh, you know, in place. So he was like, I'm going to take this home and I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this. And the cool thing that I'm seeing is that they're able to sort of add on to it week to week. You know, the, the team goes on the road for a week and he's like, all right, we've been doing X, Y and Z. Now we want to, you know, add this on, you know, or now we're going to put their headshots on the lower third where they weren't there before. And it's just, mm-hmm. they've been able to kind of take that and grow it throughout the season and really build on the production, even mid season. Whereas with the systems they were using previously, they couldn't really do that. Nice. And then just thinking of customers who are listening right now and they're, and they're interested in streaming. I mean, whatever level it might be right. Anywhere from a minor league professional down to high schools, um, what's the best way for them to get started? Like if, if you were going to go into a meeting and talk to a customer about streaming, what kind of information should they have thought of going into that meeting? So the one thing that I always kind of say is try to think about what you want the end product to be. Uh, you know, don't get so caught up in what equipment do I have to have to stream, but think about, you know, what is your goal? What what do you want to see on screen? You know, are we just trying to get the game out there and we just need scoring on it? Great. Or, hey, no, we're going to sell sponsor op- you know, opportunities on this. Or mm-hmm. we want to we want to integrate all of these stats graphics. We want to do player headshots for every player and we want replay capabilities. We want to have live commentators. And we you know, think through what you want that end product to be. And then when we sit down, you know, and Dactronics comes in, we start to have that discussion. We can sort of build a system around that. We can go, you know what? You're playing baseball. These are sort of the key camera angles that you need, you know, and, and kind of put that package together of, all right, you know, this is your budget. This is what you're wanting to do. This is your goal. And we can build a package around that to say, I think these cameras would work well for you. I think this, you know, video switcher and this mm-hmm. graphics package, this replay system and so on, and kind of build a system that fits within that budget, but still hits the goals that you want to achieve. And you're talking about the the video production itself, as, as a stream, you don't necessarily have to have a video display in your um, arena or stadium to do this type of streaming either. It's just you need the camera and, and the means to to put it over the web, right? Yeah, uh, really, really. If you've got a camera and an internet connection, for the most part, uh, it, in some way, shape or form, you can start streaming. Um, you know, you don't have to have a video board there in the ballpark. I'd say it's easier because you already have the cameras if you have the video board, but mm-hmm. Yeah, you can uh, you can definitely stream whether you have a video board or not. So you're suggesting a little more than just a tripod and a cell phone in Facebook Live? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Hey, I mean, if if the people are watching it, that's that's the <laughs> that's, end goal here, right? Yeah. You uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> As long as your viewership is increasing over time, you're doing all right. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? If you if you don't have it at all, you can start as, as low as that. Or if you've got the means to do a better, more professional looking production, you can, right? The, the expectation's there now. You did that last year. You can do it this year. How about you put some stats on there? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, and that's it. You know, I had a, another minor league baseball team that I worked with this season that uh, they used to be an independent league team. 
and they they got affiliated with the major league team this year. And it was kind of a similar scenario where it's like they've been streaming, but now there's an expectation that, that the quality of that stream really increases, you know. And um, so it was kind of the same the same thing talking with them of, you know, talking through, OK, do we need to do a replay and and how many cameras are we looking at and kind of figuring out what fit that budget. And uh, same thing with them, similar to the Delmarva Shorebirds. They've really been trying week to week to improve. You know, I, I talk to them on almost a, a weekly or biweekly basis where they're saying, hey, you know, we're we're trying to integrate and, and show some scores from other games that are going on, you know, and um, but we're, we're hanging up on this one thing. Can you help us out with it? You know, but it's every week they're they're thinking of it from a broadcast standpoint, you know, and they really want to put on a high, high quality stream. So they're trying to think of all of these other scenarios that, you know, if you watch a baseball game on TV, what do you see? You know, mm-hmm. oh, you do see scores from other games. You know, how can we incorporate that into our stream? It's like we've talked about the Dactronics curse before. It was always now when people have video boards, they go to other arenas or stadiums and they and they look at the board, they see what they're doing. I feel like that's the same way with streaming. Now, like you said, what is something you usually see in the baseball game? So now when they start streaming and they watch a major league game or something yeah. on TV, stuff like that probably starts to stand out to them. Oh yeah, my uh, my wife can't stand to go to a sporting event with me anymore <laughs> because uh, I, I sit there and watch the video board the whole time and yep. point out things. <laughs> but, oh, they just messed up there. They did this. Um, yep. We talked yeah. about that. I go with friends that want to go sometimes because I'll be like, is that a six millimeter center? Hung? That looks really nice. Like, Shut up, Matt. No one cares about the millimeter pitch. We're here to watch but the yeah, game. Yeah, just you. <laughs> yeah, just me. It, it, it's the exact same thing though that, you know, we, we've talked about it for a little while that you know, with LED displays, you know, you're competing with that at home environment, right? How do you, how do you get people back in the stands? Well, this is kind of the flip of that. Now we've come a long way with what we can do on video boards. So now people are looking at other, um, you know, broadcast productions or video board productions and thinking, okay, well, how do we take this home? Um, And I know when the pandemic first hit last baseball season, that was kind of a, a topic of conversation is, okay, People are used to coming to the stadium and and doing all the fan cams, the dance cam, the oh, smile yeah. cam, and mm-hmm. all of these things. You know, how can we take this to them at home and still have them interact? Yeah, can we bring them in over a a Teams call or Skype call or, or whatever it might be, and and still do a fan cam for you know for our fans? Um, so that was kind of a, a fun one to figure out, and it was it, it lasted a brief little while until you know a year later. Here we are, we have fans back in the stands, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like people are constantly watching other productions and they're constantly seeing what other people come up with or what people expect to see. Like I said, if you're sitting at home and you can see what's happening in every other football game that's going on, well, you need to be able to do that within the venue. But also, you know, people are now saying, OK, well, on my stream, I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And if there are people that are listening and want more information about getting started on streaming, we'll put some links in the show notes and definitely encourage you to reach out to your Dactronics contact. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to talk to you about it or get you to the right person. And uh, Eric, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing all the different levels of streaming and what Dactronics has to offer and what you've been seeing out in the field. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dactronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes.